Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Happy Wednesday, football fans, and welcome into another edition of the Chase Podcast. I'm Isaac Sines, and I thank you for joining me. In today's episode, NFL defensive tackle Jarrell Worthy and I recap week three and preview Thursday night's clash between the Eagles and Packers. We also discuss and predict the rest of week four's matchups. The Eagles lost another tight game in week three and now find themselves in an early hole to begin the season. With injuries building up, Eagles head coach Doug Peterson knows they must find a way to win on the road, but understands the challenges Green Bay presents as a team. What jumps out, what I've seen so far, um, one, obviously, you know, offense is being efficient and, and, uh, and being able to score, score early. Uh, defense has been opportunistic. I mean, you look at this game you know, yesterday against the Broncos, they a couple turnovers there, one before half and then the third quarter that caused, you know, or allowed... 14 points, you know, I mean, you look at Denver and you look at us, you're going, geez, hang on to the football. Matt LaFleur is the first Green Bay head coach to open his first season 3-0 since Vince Lombardi in 1959. The Packers will look to remain unbeaten when they host the Eagles on Thursday night. Packers cornerback Jair Alexander said they will have their hands full defending Carson Wentz because of his ability to make plays outside of the pocket. Man, he, he, has, a, he has a really good arm, really strong arm. Um, I mean, he, he's able to extend plays with his feet, um, you know, just kind of like a dual third quarterback. So, I mean, that's always going to be a challenge for a defense, for sure. We'll also dive into various topics, including the Browns' early offensive struggles, the Jets' disastrous start, and the sensational debut of Giants quarterback Daniel Jones. This is the Pro Football Chase Podcast, a podcast that has featured interviews with Rams wide receiver Robert Woods. 300,000 yards, um... And, you know, last year, unfortunately, I got hurt mid, midway in the season. But other than that, just just working and grinding to, to get to this point. And uh, probably broke it with a lot of games left. Packers wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Uh, just the fact that we got, a, you know, uh, all pro on the other side of the ball. Um, you know, and Devontae. Um, so when you got a guy like that, 
you know, that's going to get the main focus. Um, obviously, you know, people start to know my name a little bit after I made a few plays here and there. Broncos offensive guard Ronald Leary. It would either have to be a counter or a pin and pull play when we get on the edge and run. Uh, I think it's always impressive when big guys can get out that stance and move and hit somebody. So. And rising stars Dalton Risner, Charles Amenahu, and Jawan Williams. This is a podcast that offers player perspectives from some well-decorated veterans, including T.J. Hushman Zada. People will say, oh, well, is that Chris got a franchise quarterback? Uh, look, look at his record, does it? It tells you he is. Oh, he has a great defense. He has his You tell me a quarterback in the entire NFL that's not time break that does more with that. Game previews, recaps, and analysis. Turn the volume up. The chase is on, and the chase is live. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome into the Pro Football Chase Podcast. It's Isaac Signs with you, and joining me again is my co-host, Jarrell Worthy, NFL defensive tackle. We're ready to break down some more football, a lot to discuss, recapping week three, and also looking to week four as tomorrow night we get a good Thursday night clash between the Eagles and the Packers. So, Jarrell, how you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing excellent this morning. Um, excited to talk about these matchups and everything. Um, it's been a lot of exciting things going on in the NFL. Uh, a lot of backup quarterbacks playing a lot of key roles right now. So uh, I'm excited to talk about it. There was quite a bit of success when it comes to those backup quarterbacks in week three. And so I want to segue right into that, Jarrell, as we did the last couple of weeks an offensive player of the week and a defensive player of the week. Now, the NFL does this themselves, but hey, you know what? We're going to have fun with it as well. So I'll go ahead and get things going. I understand there's a lot of good options, and it's hard to choose just one player of week three because there's a lot of stellar performances. You look at Daniel Jones and what he was able to do in his debut. Kyle Allen there for the Panthers, four touchdowns against the Arizona Cardinals. But I'm going to go with a player that is a 2017 second-round pick, and he's headlined Minnesota's offense early this season, and it's Dalvin Cook. He's come back from injury. He now leads the NFL in rushing, and he became the first player in Vikings history, Jarrell, to run for 100 yards in each of his first three games, dazzling with his quick beat explosiveness. He just had 16 carries but went for 110 yards. That's a 6.9 yards per carry average and had one score, four passes for 33 yards. So Dalvin Cook has just been a bright spot for the Vikings early in this season. And he's really brought the Vikings that rushing attack that they've been lacking for quite some time. Yeah, Isaac, I believe that, um, you know, he he definitely had a phenomenal week last week. Um, The Vikings are... The Vikings are struggling offensively, man, being 31st in passing. Um, you know, my guy, Kirk Cousins, hasn't been having a phenomenal year. So for Dalvin Cook to be able to do what he's done and um, an offensive line that's been under scrutiny for the last few years as far as their toughness, for them coming in to establish the run like they have been, um, it's been it's been great to see. Now look at your offensive player of the week, Jarrell. Who do you have? I'm going to stick with a same with this guy in the same position, uh, kind of a similar situation as uh, Dalvin Cook 
in uh, Minnesota. And my guy for player of the week is Alvin Kamara. I'm going to give it give it to him. Um, with the circumstances that the Saints are under, uh, having Drew Brees on the sideline, I know Teddy Bridgewater is a, a proven quarterback, um, but hasn't been with this team uh, long enough to be able to know everybody in game time situations. Um, Russell Wilson was on fire in Seattle, throwing for over 400 yards. Um, and Alvin Kamara just being that that calm for the for the Saints, having 16 carries, 69 yards, touchdown. Um, nine receptions for 92 yards and a touchdown. It was just uh, great to be able to see him go out there and, and uh, go into a tough environment and come out with the win. I was really expecting the Seahawks to win that one, but Alvin Kamara, dynamic running back. Now let's go to the defensive side, Jarrell. Who was your player of the week? Very tough. Um, very, very tough. But I would go with uh, Khalil Mack and what he was able to do the other night against the Redskins. I understand that the Redskins isn't they, they really aren't well uh, offensively, but um, just when I get the opportunity to see him on display and, and to affect the passer in the way he does and to be able to watch the Bears defense collectively play as a unit like that, um, it's very hard to, to single out just one person on that team. But as far as the defensive player of the week, having a couple sacks, um, he was in line. Uh, it was tied between Khalil Mack and, uh, and, and, and Shaq Barrett out, out of Tampa Bay because he's been on fire as well. Yes, Shaq Barrett, he is an absolute terror. We saw him with three sacks against Cam Newton a couple weeks ago, and then he replicated that performance against the Giants and Daniel Jones. So Shaq Barrett clearly deserves the praise that he's been getting. But I'm going to go with one of your former teammates, Jarrell, and he really had a standout game and ended up winning the game for his team in crunch time. And it's Bills cornerback Tredavious White. You know, there was little action in the first half, but it heated up late against the Cincinnati Bengals. White, he picked off Andy Dalton with 12 seconds remaining and allowed the Bills to get off to that 3-0 start, 21-17 victory. He finished the game with two interceptions, two pass defenses, and one tackle for loss. And Tredavious White is really, I think, emerging into one of the best corners in the NFL, and not a lot of people talk a lot about him because, you know, he comes from Buffalo, and, you know, they don't typically get the same limelight as the other New York teams like the Jets and the New York Giants, but keep your eyes on Tredavious White because he is really coming to his own. I think we're going to start talking about him as one of the top three best corners in this game. Yeah, Isaac, I will believe uh, that that he is definitely proven himself to be that type of guy uh, but collectively as a as a defense in buffalo man i mean they've got some things they've got something special out there they've been rocking and rolling and uh, it's been phenomenal to see um you know on the on the game winning interception uh they were able to have a tip by micah Hyde. uh just being active around the football was a, a, allowing them to have the ability to be able to be in a position to, to be uh, to intercept the football. And so it's exciting to see. It's exciting to see the Buffalo Bills being 3-0. and I know there's a lot of excitement up there in Orchard Park. And um, they have a big matchup this week with the Pats coming into town. And uh, I'm excited to give my, my prediction on that one. Yeah, that's going to be a good game, that's for sure. Now, Jarrell, as I told you, we've been talking a little bit off the air. I wanted to debut a new segment on the Pro Football Chase podcast. It's called Fact Fiction. It's actually something I've done on my previous radio shows. And so there's plenty to dig into. So I want to start by this statement. And again, if you're listening to this podcast, I'll read a statement. And then uh, Jarrell and I will discuss whether we think it's true or it's false via fact or fiction. 
And then we'll go about six or seven of these talking points, and we'll get on to previewing some of these matchups for week number four. So the first statement, Jarrell, Browns head coach Freddie Kitchens will give up play calling to offensive coordinator Todd Munkin before their week seven bye. Fact or fiction? I believe it's fiction. Uh, I just think that, you know, being a first-year head coach, you always want to come in and improve yourself. I believe that if you have an opportunity to see things through, then you're going you're gonna to take every opportunity to do that. Um, you know, he had some success last year being an offensive coordinator, um, first year working with Berkey, Baker Mayfield. So he knows what he has to do in order for this team to be successful. I think their heads are kind of spinning right now because they have so many weapons in place. It's tough to, to, to come up with a game plan in order to get everybody involved. I know um, New England is very is, is one of those teams that has the opportunity to get everybody involved. But it's very tough, man, when you have that much talent um, around Baker Mayfield. But I think they have to eliminate turnovers in order for them to be successful. I don't think necessarily it's the play calling. I think it's the decision making at the quarterback position that's hindering this team. Although, on the other hand, uh, Munkin had the number one passing offense last year when he was in Tampa Bay with Ryan Fitzpatrick at the helm and Jameis Winston at the helm. Um, so he has some abilities to be able to stretch the field and, and create some opportunities for guys down the field. And so he's a very he's a very bright mind. And uh, but I just don't believe that that Kitchens is going to bring uh, give up the play calling uh, so soon into the, the season. Well, I'm going to go ahead and say fact. You look at the Cleveland Browns. I understand there's a lot of people that say, well, it's just three weeks into the season. The Browns, you got to give them time to click and gel. But my thing is, look, you know, you have Odell Beckham Jr. You have Jarvis Landry. You have Nick Chubb. Now, David Njoku is on injured reserve, but they have Demetrius Harris, who they signed from Kansas City. And he's a pretty athletic tight end that can come in and do the job just fine. But when you look at their stats, Jarrell, it's pretty awful. They're 23rd in total offense, 18th in passing, and 25th in rushing. And I've just never understood the concept of bringing on an offensive coordinator and not using him to call plays. Freddie Kitchens was the primary play caller last year, and the Browns offense found success. However... They didn't play many teams over 500 in that last back-end stretch when Baker Mayfield went off for those 27 touchdowns. And so now you promote Freddie Kitchens because Baker Mayfield has a heavy influence. And I think now he's starting to understand that, wait a second, it's not as easy to call plays and manage the game as a head coach. And so I think he's in over his head a little bit in Cleveland, and I think it's starting to show. And so I think it's a fact. I think he's going to have enough pressure on him as these next couple of weeks come along, Drew, because you look at Cleveland's schedule, and it is a gauntlet. I mean, they got Baltimore this coming Sunday, and then they got the San Francisco 49ers who are unbeaten and will be coming off a bye week. So things are going to get tougher, and I just think eventually Todd Munkin will get the offensive play calling. I mean, it's definitely a, 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 a very interesting statement. I believe that, um, you know, that, that Kitchens wants to come in and, and do a great job. But, I mean, honestly, man, it's, it's got to be with the players between the lines. Um, you know, when you think about this offense and what they've been able to accomplish, um, they've only had one game where they've been explosive, and that was against the Jets. That The Jets aren't very good defensively. They had a lot of starters out that game as well. 
Um, offensively, they just haven't really looked well. They they really haven't looked good. They're averaging three and a half sacks a game. Um, they have 14 quarterback hits on the season. Um, teams are getting into the face of, of the re the receivers, and yeah, they're elite at getting off the press and things of that nature, but um, defenses are clogging the middle and making it hard for Baker Mayfield to see. And so when he has to throw the ball, um, things have been selling high. Things have been selling uh, out of out of the reach of receivers, and he's uh, been giving up having a lot of interceptions. So I don't necessarily think it's the play calling. I think it's more so the play with, with the players on the field. Um, you know, they have the number 10 defense in the league. And so this team, this team has the ability to be able to win games and they have to find ways to just get the ball in the hands of their playmakers and let them go make plays. I think a lot of it has to do with player execution, however, but when you look at some of Kitchen's play calls on Sunday night against LA, some of them were baffling. I mean, they're on the Rams 40 yard line Nine minutes left to play, and on fourth and nine, he runs a draw play. Jarrell, a draw, man. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Terrible. Terrible. And I was like, what is that? And then did you see that last stretch of the game where the Browns were on the 10-yard line or so, and they had four plays with timeouts left, and not one time did Freddie Kitchens give the ball to Nick Chubb, and it was just a pass play every single time, and that eventually led to the Rams to close it out with the John Johnson interception. So there's just a lot of questionable play calls there, and Freddie Kitchens was the first to admit it in the postgame presser, so it's not like he's denying that he needs to do a better job, but it is certainly an interesting situation and one that will be looked under a microscope just because of the talent that is there in Cleveland, Ohio. But let's go to the next statement, Jarrell, as we move with this fact fiction segment. So here is the statement, all right? The Giants will reach seven or more wins with number six overall pick quarterback Daniel Jones under center. I will believe that that is fiction as well. Um, not necessarily because of Daniel Jones and his ability. I believe in his ability wholeheartedly. Um, going down to Tampa Bay, throwing for over 300 yards, um, two touchdowns as well as rush, running for two touchdowns. It shows that um, there's, a, there's a kid that has the ability to win games. There's a kid that has a, a grit about him in order to overcome tough situations. And even though Tampa Bay, um, they are injury prone. We'll, I mean, obviously, Jameis Winston th throws a, a fourth quarter interception that necessarily didn't lead to anything. But um, just the opportunity that they had in order to win the game. Uh, if you don't throw that interception, then Tampa Bay, uh, you know, with them driving into the to the red zone, they have opportunity to to really close out this game. And so DJ's performance was spectacular, um, to say the least. I just don't I don't necessarily believe in this defense. They're 32nd in passing. Um, giving up 31 points per game. Um, they have no Saquon Barkley. They're minus five in the turnover ratio. And I just don't believe that, you know, you can overcome those factors with, with just great talent. Um, it takes a team effort in order for them to be successful. And uh, Daniel Jones can throw for four or 500 yards a game. But um, if you're giving up 31 points per game um, without Saquon Barkley and, and you're minus five in the turnover ratio, you're not going to be winning any games. I would agree with that. I say fiction as well. And that's just because... Daniel Jones, he was sensational in his debut, and the Giants got that big come-from-behind victory over the Buccaneers. But you also have to look at Daniel Jones, okay? He had this monster game, throwing for several touchdowns, running in the game-winning score after trailing 28-10 to at halftime. But that came with a lot of missed kicks from Tampa Bay's kicker, Matt Gay. And so all of that big 
hoorah performance, and they barely got the victory with a couple of PATs that went far right, and then the absolute shank there from Gay at the end of the game. And so that just speaks volumes about where this Giants team is at this time. And then Saquon Barkley, you mentioned it, he's out four to eight weeks with a high ankle sprain, and not having that type of bell cow running back for Daniel Jones to hand the ball off and take some of that load off his shoulders, it's going to be detrimental to this Giants team moving forward. I do think they can get to, you know, five, six wins, but it's going to be hard, especially being in a division where they got to play the Cowboys again. They're going to have to play the Eagles twice. They'll play the Redskins on Sunday. And so those divisional games are always hard to win regardless of their regular season record. And let's remember this, Jarrell. You know better than all of us. Now there's tape out on Daniel Jones for defenses to study, which I think that may be something that hinders his success moving forward. So what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that Daniel Jones is going to have some stiffer competition now that there is some film out there on him? Yes, sir. I believe that the, the, the film is going to be able to give defenses an opportunity to, to scout and to pick up on tendencies. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we've only seen essentially five games of tape. And you can't really predict a guy's tendencies because he's drastically improved from, you know, Duke until uh, until now being with the New York Giants. And so I definitely believe that he, he's going to have some wrinkles that a defense isn't prepared for. I mean, obviously you see that he can run. And uh, it, it, it's definitely beneficial for his team. But I mean, he also has a throwing arm and, and the ability to push the ball down the field. I think um, they have the they have a chance to win, you know, five, six games, you know, obviously with Washington coming up. But I mean, they have New England on the schedule. Their division is very tough and stiff within itself. It's just going to be tough for this team um, to push down the field and, and to be able to be successful um, after playing stiffer competition. The only, the only, and the only positive side that I have to that is that, um, you know, Tampa Bay lost that game with the mistakes that they made. But Tampa Bay's defense isn't a pushover t- style type of defense, and they have some playmakers down there that has the ability to to change games. And so, um, you know, that's a confidence booster when you when you're able to go in there and beat a team like that on the road. And um, you, he might surprise you that later on down the road. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, Not taking anything away from Daniel Jones. I think what he did was very impressive, and it's going to be fun to watch him develop this season as well. So let's go to the next statement here. The Detroit Lions are contenders in the NFC North following their strong 2-0-1 start under head coach Matt Patricia. I'll go ahead and answer first. I think it's a fact. I think this team is very good on the defensive side of the ball. In fact, when we did our divisional rankings at the beginning of the season, I had the Lions finishing tied for second uh, along with the Vikings because, look, I really believe in, in what they're doing there. Bob Quinn, the GM, has the Patriots in his DNA. That's why he brought Matt Patricia. But look at what they did in free agency, bringing on Trey Flowers to bring some pass rush, going to get Justin Coleman, one of the best slot corners in the NFL, and then Darius Big Play Slay there, one of the top corners in the NFL, and then Snacks Harrison, Gerard Davis. They have an immense amount of talent on the defensive side of the ball. And then I've always been a fan of Matthew Stafford, although he doesn't get the love from a lot of people, but he can fling it with the best 
best of them. Kenny Galladay is coming into his own. on Johnson, who had a very rough game against the Eagles. I think he had like 36 yards on 20 carries, but he was able to punch in a touchdown. But you look at Matthew Stafford, he's not having to do too much because he's finally got a run game and an offensive line to protect him. 831 yards, 6 touchdowns, 2 interceptions, 62.6 completion percentage. So no, that's not the best. At the same time, this is still a Lions team that's proven that they can also win games with their defense, which is a change in the Motor City. So I do believe that the Lions are contenders in the NFC North. I just, I would disagree. I think it's fiction. Uh, I just, when I look at the teams that are in that division, um, the Green Bay Packers improved tremendously defensively. Uh, I believe that the Chicago Bears are going to find out. Uh, they're going to figure it out offensively. They had um, a gain of confidence the other night against Washington with uh, Gabriel having those three touchdowns and just the mishaps in the secondary Washington has. I understand that they improved defensively personnel-wise, uh, but statistically, man, they still give up uh, a vast amount of big plays. They have uh, 15 plays over 20 yards. Um, four or five, uh, they have five plays over 40 yards. The, the sacks and the pressure that they've been able to get on opposing quarterbacks has been able to help them uh, tremendously in, in gaining turnovers. Um, but statistically, they're 22nd in passing defense, um, 23rd overall. And uh, I just think that, you know, the ability for, for the other quarterbacks in their division to stretch the field, uh, I believe that the Vikings are going to figure out a way to get it going to help Dalvin Cook. And I believe that the, the Chicago Bears are going to have an opportunity to get their offense going. We know what Aaron Rodgers brings to the table. We know his record against Detroit. Um, so it's just going to be a tough division for them to overcome. Um, I understand that they've been drastically improving. I just don't think that they have enough offensively uh, outside of Matthew Stafford and, uh, and Jones catching the ball down the field for them to be successful. All right, that's a respectable opinion. Here's the next statement right here. The Saints will remain atop the NFC South until Drew Brees returns from injury in four to six weeks. I think this is a fact all the way simply because the Saints are just a darn good football team. They have a lot of talent to go around. You got Alvin Kamara, Teddy Bridgewater, who Sean Payton says himself that he is a legitimate starting quarterback. Then you got Taysom Hill. And then that defense, they're really starting to increase their level of play under Dennis Allen. You got Cam Jordan, Demario Davis, who's playing at a high level. And then Marshawn Lattimore, one of the best young corners in the game. So I really do think that the New Orleans Saints, they're going to keep it rolling, especially coming off that impressive victory at CenturyLink Field last Sunday over the Seattle Seahawks. And you look at Atlanta and... They're very inconsistent. They have all kinds of big star players with Julio Jones. And you look at Devontae Freeman, Matt Ryan. But Matt Ryan has been very, very inconsistent. And defensively, there's a lot of questions in their secondary. The Panthers, they're going to go a long period of time without Cam Newton. And they've also just haven't been able to come together as a team. And then Tampa Bay, as we know, they have a leaky defense and Jameis Winston with the turnover problem. And they don't have nearly the same amount of talent as the Saints do. And so I do think that New Orleans will be able to hold that top spot even without Drew Brees in the lineup. I would agree. I believe that that's fact. Um, when I look at their schedule, I know that they have a tough one coming up against Dallas, but they're at home. They've been proven to to have a very successful record at home. I still believe that Alvin Kamara is one of the most elite 
um, if not the most complete running backs in the league, uh, just what he's been able to do and, and bolster this offense, um, having been down. Um, you know, I think that it's a little bit of a struggle uh, so far this year for Michael Thomas. Um, you know, he hasn't been able to get in the end zone as much as he has last year. Um, and yards after catch, uh, I think they've been doing a very good job tackling him as well. But, I mean, this team is they, – they're, they're prone to win, man. I think with Sean Payton back there, they have they have every opportunity. Um, Ted, Teddy Bridgewater having – getting a successful win on the road against Seattle gains a lot of confidence. It boosts a lot of confidence within the team. And then coming back home for a big game against Dallas, these guys are going to be uh, ramped up and amped up. Uh, when I calculated over the next uh, when I calculated over the next uh, seven weeks, uh, I believe that the uh, the New Orleans Saints have an opportunity to go five and seven over the next seven weeks and to give them a record of seven seven and three before Drew Brees returns. Um, you know, going at it one week at a time and just looking at their schedule, I think that Dallas and Chicago are going to be their, their, their toughest games. Um, and I don't want to necessarily count out Jacksonville because they're going to play well at home. But I just don't necessarily see any other team having the ability to be able to knock off this team and how they're rolling. Yeah, looking at their schedule, next five games, home to Dallas, home to Tampa Bay, on the road to Jacksonville, on the road to Chicago, and then Arizona at home. So they do have a favorable schedule, a couple of tough opponents there. But the Saints, I think we're both in an agreement. They are just on another level at this time, even without Drew Brees, which makes them a scary team as we move closer down into the season and when the playoffs come. So we'll go to the next statement here. And we kind of, uh, I mentioned it just a while ago, Kyle Allen, who is coming off a dazzling performance in Arizona. A report came out yesterday talking about Cam Newton dealing with a Liz Frank injury to his foot, which could sideline him for the remainder of the season if he has to undergo surgery. And so the statement is this, Kyle Allen has a chance to retain the starting job with another impressive performance and win over the Texans in week four. And this is under the impression that Cam Newton will return this season. But should Kyle Allen continue his strong play, do you think he has a legitimate shot to keep that starting job? I would give it the, I would I would say it's fact. I think that the you know with Rivera being on a hot seat and the talent that they have on this team, um, I think that there uh, has to be a change and has to be a spark. If he has the the hot hand and the team is rolling and winning, I think that you have you have to leave him in there. I understand that Cam Newton is the guy, um, but you know when you look at Cam Newton's record, I believe that they're zero and eight uh, over their last eight games with him as a starter. I don't necessarily see them um, gaining any traction or doing anything necessarily that's different. Um, Kyle Allen's been able to come in and give this team a spark. Um, Christian McCaffrey's been excellent, um, having uh, over 150 yards last week. Uh, I just think that they have an opportunity to go into Houston and and um, and win that game. Uh, with Houston being number 23 in, in passing defense, um, J.J. Watt is, is kind of finally starting to find his stride with having the two sacks last week. Uh, they have an opportunity to do some great things. Uh, I just think that the Texans at home are going to be a tough a tough cookie to bite, man. And, uh, and I don't necessarily believe that uh, he has the ability to go in there and, and win this weekend. But – if he gets it done and does win, I believe that Ron Rivera has to stick with it. 
Yeah, I'm going to say fact as well. Kyle Allen coming in who had not had a start in a long time. He was equipped there with that offense. He completed 73.1% of his throws for 261 yards and four touchdowns. Now, I know Arizona's defense has not been the, the sharpest this season, but they still have a lot of talent to go around, especially in the pass rush with Chandler Jones. But you look at the Panthers. I mean, with Cam Newton, they started the season 0-2, and Newton, who he underwent that off-season shoulder surgery, he struggled passing the ball. He was just completing 52.2% of his passes for 572 yards, no touchdowns, and one interception. And so, yeah, I think when you're a coach and you're in a desperate situation, you're backed into a corner like Ron Rivera is, his future is certainly in doubt with the new owner, David Tepper, above him. I do think that if Kyle Allen can get the win in Houston, which is not out of the realm of possibility, Jarrell, because we saw Gardner Minshew and the Jacksonville Jaguars go into Houston without seven starters. They lost 13-12, but they were a two-point conversion away from winning in Houston against the Texans. And so I wouldn't put it past Kyle Allen and the Panthers to go in there and pull off the upset. So I would say fact as well. Now let's go ahead and get into the last and final statement of this segment. And it's about the New York Jets and their struggles. Okay, so Sam Darnold will get the 0-3 Jets back into contention upon his return in Week 5. I will go with fiction with that. I just... I believe in Sam Darnold. I think that he's a, a, a good quarterback, um, not a great quarterback. Uh, I just don't necessarily believe that this offense has enough firepower to be able to um, compete within their division, number one, with the Bills uh, getting better. I understand that Miami's tanking, um, but you have to play the Bills again as well as you have to play the Patriots again. And so having those two teams uh, being better than you, I don't necessarily believe that, the, that Darnold's going to have the ability to get the Jets back into contention. Um, right now, they're sitting at 32 in passing yards per game, 28th in rushing yards per game. Uh, my friend Le'Veon Bell, uh, he's been trying to do as much as he can, but hasn't um, had an opportunity to have those type of impactful games like he had in Pittsburgh. Um, it's been a struggle uh, with the lack of personnel um, that he has around him. And um, even with Darnold in week one, um, he went 28 for 41, 170, 175 in a touchdown, um, and they lost. And so I don't necessarily believe he is the key in order for the Jets to be successful, they have very they have various holes and and voids in which they need to fix in order for this team to be in contention. I'm gonna say fiction. Sam Darnold, I I like the type of of signal caller that he is, but he's not a quarterback that can come in and just flip on the switch. And next thing you know, this is a different DNA team. Their offense has been anemic. And Adam Gase, I'm not so sure he was the right pick at head coach. We saw it was kind of a train wreck in Miami and. He gets another job somehow, but that could change, Darrell, because they made a hire of Joe Douglas as their new GM coming from Philadelphia, and that was after Adam Gase was already hired by their former GM, Mike McCagnan, who was fired after the draft, which was a little bit of a weird situation, but I think their issues are deeper than being without Sam Darnold. 0-3, their defense, I know they've had a lot of injuries, C.J. Mosley, and Williams they've missed the last couple of weeks but I just don't think that Adam Gase and his play calling 
It, it has not been justifiable up to this point and very predictable. There's no fizz. There's no energy out there on the field. There's only a handful of players the last couple of weeks that actually look like they want to be out there wearing that green for the Jets. And Le'Veon Bell is one of them because he's been putting out the most effort that he possibly can. But Sam Darnold, I'm sorry. I think he's going to have to shake off some rust. And by the time he even gets into good playing condition, it's going to be way too late because they're in a division with the New England Patriots and the Buffalo Bills who are undefeated. Now, of course, one of those teams will have a loss because they'll play on Sunday. But nonetheless, you look at the Jets' schedule, Jarrell. The next five games, they're at Philadelphia, home to Dallas, home to New England, on the road to Jacksonville, and then at Miami. So out of these five games, four of them are very difficult opponents, so I just don't see it happening at all. No, sir. I don't think that they have the ability to be able to win any of those games, um, even the Miami game. I think that eventually Miami is going to put their foot down, and it has to be against somebody. And so I think with the Jets struggling the way that they are, um, knowing that them being in the same division, um, I even see Miami being a losable game for them. So um, I just don't think that the that Sam Donald is the guy for them to get over the hump. And uh, the Jets are going to struggle a lot this year and be in contention for a top five, top ten, top ten pick. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into the game previews. Here's how we're going to structure it for the sake of time, Joel. So we'll go ahead and give a, a little uh, preview of this Eagles-Packers game. And then I really want to go into focus with the Bills and the Patriots and the Cowboys and Saints matchup. And then the rest of the games, we'll kind of just go through pretty quick and give our scoreline. So let's go ahead and get started first. All right, tomorrow night, we got Thursday Night Football, Green Bay Packers and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Packers are 3-0, so Matt LaFleur is the first Green Bay head coach to open his first season 3-0 since Vince Lombardi in 1959. And Philadelphia, they are in a heap of trouble. They're 1-2. They're dealing with injuries. We know the NFC East, the Dallas Cowboys are undefeated, so they really cannot afford to lose this game right now. So you look at the matchup. Who are you taking in primetime tomorrow? I'm going to take the Green Bay Packers in primetime. I'm going to take them uh, for a few reasons. Number one, being at home. Uh, number two, having uh, their defense finally start to come alive. They have the 13th-ranked defense. Uh, Zedaria Smith is third in the league in, in quarterback pressures, and I believe that they uh, they have an opportunity to, to really disrupt what Philadelphia wants to do, um, as well as, um, you know, with Philly having the injuries in the secondary, uh, Darby and his hamstring, the inconsistency they've had offensively, um, and then just their lack of being able to control the ball with their running game. Um, when they had success going to the Super Bowl, they had – a high-powered rushing offense as well as passing offense. And so um, just the inconsistencies there is, is going to be uh, lacking for them. So I have the Packers taking this one 27-13. to 13. Yeah, I have the Green Bay Packers winning this one pretty easily, but here's why. The production of Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith has been out of this world. Preston Smith has four and a half sacks. Zadarius Smith has three sacks. And Green Bay's new pass rush duo – you know what? They're going to give these Eagles offensive tackles a run for their money because this Eagles offensive line has not looked as sharp as they usually are. Lane Johnson at right tackle, Jason Peters, the savvy veteran on the left side. I think that pass rush is going to be the difference 
We look at Carson Wentz and the Eagles offense. Alshon Jeffrey is expected to play. Deshaun Jackson is unlikely to play. So he's down a couple of his favorite targets on offense. But I think it's his Green Bay defense that is going to get the Packers another victory. They're allowing just 11.7 points per game up to this point. And you look at what Mike Pettin is doing. He's disguising blitzes. And then you got Jair Alexander out on the outside who's probably going to draw a matchup against Alshon Jeffrey. And how about Darnell Savage, their first-round safety who got his first interception last week. He's a ball hawk. They're at home at Lambeau Field. Aaron Rodgers really hasn't had to do too much up to this point. He's 22nd in pass yards, four touchdowns, zero interceptions. So I do like the Packers to win this one pretty easily, 27-17 over Philadelphia. We are in agreement, my friend. Let's go ahead and move on to uh, the next matchup here that I kind of want to go into a little bit of detail. It's that Patriots at Bills matchup. Both teams are 3-0. 1 p.m. Eastern time start. This is going to be a really good game to watch to see just how good this Bills team is and if this defense in Buffalo can limit Tom Brady and their high-powered attack. What are your thoughts about this matchup? Very intriguing matchup. Uh, I want to I want to side with the Bills and uh, pulling out a close one uh, on a few on a few reasons. Um, number one, having the running game. Uh, Frank Gore really compliments what this team wants to do. Um, really gives a lot of confidence to Josh Allen and gives them a calm to be able to push the ball down the field. Uh, the personnel change that they have to uh, to their receivers has definitely been an upgrade and um, can cause some confusion for uh, for New England moving down the field. Their defense uh, being fifth in rushing, I believe that you know obviously Tom Brady's going to be the guy throwing the ball, but. New England wants to run the ball as well to be able to keep the pressure off of, of Tom and, and set up a lot of play action pass. Um, and their, I mean, their defense is number five in total defense as well. And so um, having that secondary, um, having those guys being able to, to, to get their, their, their hands on the ball and tip the ball. And um, if they can come up with one or two interceptions, I believe that the Buffalo Bills can squeeze out, squeeze out a tight one, 21 to 20. Man, man, we are very, very close in our score lines. I'm going to take the Bills in this one. They're at home, and I understand that this Patriots team, they're on another level. So we we could sound like fools by the time this Sunday comes and goes. And for all we know, the Bills could absolutely get embarrassed by 20, just knowing how good this Patriots team is and how Bill Belichick prepares his teams. But I really do feel like this is the week for Buffalo. I think they're going to pull the upset I do believe they're the real deal. Now, I hate to see them losing such a young stud in Harrison Phillips for the year, torn ACL, and he's a big part of that defense. So that is an unfortunate turn of events for the Buffalo Bills. But I really do like what Josh Allen is doing offensively. He's using his legs in a wise way. He's putting pressure on defenses because he's rolling out, making plays on the run. Smokey Brown, John Brown is leading them in receptions and to go along with Zay Jones and Cole Beasley and how about the veteran Frank Gore holding things down with Devin Singletary out with the hamstring so I'm gonna go ahead and take the Bills to win the game 27 to 26 so a one point win for the Bills I think a game winning field goal by Steven Hauschka sends Bills Mafia 
into absolute chaos. Absolutely. And I'm trying to tell you that I'm so excited and I'm here for it. Uh, if it does happen and when it happens, because they are going to lose their minds out there. There's going to be some type of table burning up and down and they're going to enjoy It's going to be WWE in the parking lot. So it's, it'll be a pretty exciting, uh, pretty exciting scene in Orchard Park if the Buffalo Bills have the opportunity to, to, to pull this one out. Okay, we're going to jump up into the primetime slot, the Cowboys at the Saints, before we go and give our picks for the rest of the games really quick. But this is going to be another anticipated matchup to watch. A lot of people are questioning the Dallas Cowboys. They're saying, well, they're 3-0, but they haven't played anybody yet. And the Saints are coming off an impressive victory against the Seattle Seahawks. It'll be Teddy Bridgewater once again for the Saints until Drew Brees returns from injury. They're going to be at home at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Jarrell, you played there. You understand how difficult it is for visiting teams to secure a win there. Who do you have winning this one? Can the Dallas Cowboys go in to Louisiana and get a win? I don't think that the, the Cowboys are going to have the success that they want this weekend. Um, obviously, as you stated before, uh, this is their first, this is their first game against real competition. Um, I understand they're third in rushing and their defense is continuing to come along. They're in the middle of the pack at the, at the moment, um, sitting at 15. Uh, but at the end of the day, Sean, play, Sean Payton and his play calls, um, you know, Alvin Kamara and what he brings to the table, uh, the Saints being at home. Uh, it doesn't matter necessarily what statistically it says for their defense. When their defense plays at home and when they have that emotion of that crowd and those fans there, they are on a whole nother level. And so I uh, have the Saints pulling out a close one um, in 23 to 18. I think that they're going to have a late uh, late game inter- uh, late game uh, touchdown in order for them to be able to squeeze it out. And I just think that the uh, the Sean Payton is going to continue to put Teddy Bridgewater in in, in in winning positions, and we still haven't seen Tyson Hill yet, so I look, I look for him to sprinkle him in there this weekend. Okay, I'm going to actually go with the Dallas Cowboys on the road. I think they pull out a gritty victory, and here's my reasoning behind going with the Dallas Cowboys. I understand the New Orleans Saints, their defense, and they've been able to generate a very productive pass rush coming from Trey Hendrickson, who's a former third-round pick who's starting to play very well. Of course, I think he's starting to get more one-on-one matchups because of the presence of Cam Jordan. And you're looking at Marcus Davenport, the former first-round pick, who's a big-time frame coming at you, 6'7", who is really doing a nice job of batting down passes at the line of scrimmage. But I do feel like this Cowboys offense, they are a changed group under Kellen Moore. I think there's going to be a lot of stretching the field vertically against New Orleans because they've struggled to defend those long passes down the field. And especially, here's my take, I think the Cowboys are going to target Eli Apple all night long because Eli Apple is the weak point of the Saints secondary. And you see it all the time. Every single week, Eli Apple is getting caught with holding penalties. Now, Marshawn Lattimore, the same cannot be said with him, which I think he's going to travel with Amari Cooper. So that's going to be a really fun matchup to watch. But I think the Cowboys and Dak Prescott, I think he makes some throws down the field late in this one that gives the Cowboys a narrow 24-21 victory over the New Orleans Saints. I think it's going to be a very entertaining one to watch. I just give the Cowboys a slight edge because of what they can do in this vertical pass game. 
Very strong arguments, man. I thank you. I definitely uh, see your point there. Um, it's going to be an excellent game, man. I think Sean Payton versus this Cowboys team is going to be phenomenal. Now let's go ahead and give a rundown of the other matchups. We'll just give our score picks here as we close out today's episode. So here we go. Titans at Falcons, 1 p.m. Eastern time. The Falcons are coming off a loss as well as Tennessee. They lost to Jacksonville last Thursday night. I have Atlanta winning a narrow one at home, 20-17. to Your pick, Jarrell. Um, I have Atlanta as well, winning uh, thirty-one to seventeen. Um, their offense is very high-powered, uh, and I just think that they're going to be able to fuel some uh, some energy playing at home against Mariota. Okay, next matchup we go: Redskins at Giants. Daniel Jones with a legend grow in the Big Apple. The Redskins coming off a big-time loss to the Chicago Bears on their home turf in prime time. Will they be able to rebound and take down Daniel Jones and the Giants? think that the Giants are going to come out with a great energy. I feel like they they have an energy that's back in MetLife. Um, I believe that they're going to win 34-13. to 13. I think Daniel Jones is going to light it up. And uh, I think we're going to see uh, Haskins before halftime. All right. Well, I certainly hope so. I want to see Dwayne Haskins, I think, as we all do. I'm picking the Redskins to win this one 26-21. This is a defense that is flustered i saw jonathan allen give an interview after their loss to chicago and he is just upset because they have a lot of talent on that front seven with ryan kerrigan montez sweat and i think that's the difference Jarrell. i think that washington front seven is gonna get after daniel jones no saquon barkley so if barkley was playing i would have given the edge to the giants but i do think washington will get in there and squeak out a narrow victory 26 21 next game chargers at dolphins we got Miami hosting a game. They're coming off another blowout loss to the Dallas Cowboys. The Chargers lost to the Texans last Sunday. Who do you have winning this one? It's another blowout loss for the Miami Dolphins. I got the Chargers coming in, uh, winning 30-9. to nine. I think Phillip Rivers is just going to be out there throwing the ball all over the place. It's going to be like 7-on-7. Seven seven. So I just think that the Chargers are going to come in and win 30-9. to nine. Yeah, I have the Chargers big, but I think the scoreline will be a little bit closer than what the game actually turns out to be. Give me the Chargers 30-17 to over Josh Rosen and the Dolphins. Next game, Raiders at Colts. The Raiders were absolutely hammered by the Minnesota Vikings on the road, and now they're going to have to go into another tough environment in Indianapolis. I have the Colts winning this one. 30-20 over the Oakland Raiders. Jacoby Brissett is starting to turn the table a little bit. And Marlon Mack in that run game. So I think the Colts win rather easily by 10. Yeah, I would agree. I have the Colts winning 24-12. to uh, T.Y. Hilton's catching a touchdown pass in each of his first three games. Uh, being sixth in rushing and Brissett uh, continuing his success. Uh, I think that the Colts have every opportunity in order uh Every opportunity in this game to get uh, to get their their uh, another win for the year. All right, next game here: Panthers at Texans. We talked a little bit about this matchup. Kyle Allen now under center for Carolina. Maybe a little bit of a spark there. He's coming off a strong performance. The Texans have an impressive road victory over LA in week number three. 
I have Houston winning this one by a field goal, 24-21. Deshaun Watson's playing at a very high level, and I think DeAndre Hopkins is going to be the difference. I don't think Carolina has anybody to contain him. So Houston at home by three. I have Houston at home by seven. I have them winning in a late game situation, uh, 27 to 20. Uh, Watt continuing his success, uh, playing at home with that crowd. I know that they're uh, been giving up a lot of passing yards lately, but you know, have an opportunity to be at home and uh, play with uh, Deshaun Jackson and uh, DeAndre Hopkins. I think that they're um, going to get rolling this week. Um, if the Panthers' defense can travel, they're going to be in the game, but I think that the Texans win 27-20. Next matchup here, Chiefs at Lions. Can the Lions stay unbeaten, or will the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes go into the Motor City and get the W? I talked up the Lions, but the Chiefs, I've picked against them a couple of times, and I've looked like a fool. Patrick Mahomes, this dude is just an absolute star Nobody can stop him. He makes some incredible throws. I do think this is going to be a tight one, but give me the Chiefs, 35-31 in a shootout. Mm, I don't necessarily believe Detroit has the ability to come in and shoot out with the Kansas City Chiefs. I have the Chiefs winning 31-13. Patrick Mahomes continuing his success, uh, 11 touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, I think Matthew Stafford is going to throw 50 times, but I don't think it's going to amount to much. Browns at Ravens. Here's another AFC North clash. I have the Ravens winning this one in a defensive battle, hard-hitting, smash-mouth football. Look for Mark Ingram to have another big game on the ground. And as for Baker Mayfield, I think Baltimore is going to come after him hard with the pass rush, Matthew Judon. I think Baker Mayfield turns over the ball two more times, two interceptions to that Baltimore defense who's coming angry off of that performance against Kansas City, look for them to rebound and get a big-time victory in front of their home fans. Give me Baltimore, 23-17. Nice. I have Baltimore winning as well, 28-18. to um, The Browns' offensive line isn't really well, isn't really good. Baker Mayfield and his interceptions, um, especially going up against Earl Thomas in his secondary. And what Lamar Jackson brings to the field, him and Ingram have been great this season, uh, having that great tandem. So, I think that the Ravens are going to dominate 28-18. Bucks at the Rams. I have the Rams winning this one pretty comfortably, 34-20. to The Rams offense has looked a little bit stagnant under Jared Goff, Sean McVay. He's even said it that he needs to do a better job of game planning. I think this is the game where they turn the corner. I think their offense fires on all cylinders. They put up 34, and I think they're able to limit Jameis Winston and Tampa Bay's offensive attack. 34-20 L.A. over Tampa Bay. I would agree with you. I have uh, a very close uh, prediction as well. I have uh, the Rams winning 35-20. to I think that you know their defense being number four in the league uh, is continuing this, the, the, a lot of success. I think that Aaron Donald's going to have a very big game this week. Um, they have a very they have a limited amount of uh, protection on the inside. They have a, a second year guard down there, and I just believe that Aaron Donald's going to have opportunity to expose him um, all game, as well as Clay Matthews having four sacks on the year with having with having three and a half all of last year. Um, his his reemergence has been great for this team. So I have them winning 35-20. We have an NFC West battle here, Jarrell. Seahawks at Cardinals, 4.05 p.m. Eastern time. I have the Hawks getting a win, but closer than what a lot of people may expect. 31-27 over Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Russell Wilson is a difference. This guy is incredible. The throws he's able to make and 
A bounce back performance from Chris Carson, I do think, is in the works for Seattle after fumbling the ball three times to the first three games. And Pete Carroll has stressed that he is their guy. I think the Seattle Seahawks are going to get that ground game going, and they're going to eventually milk the clock out in the fourth quarter for a narrow victory over the Arizona Cardinals. I think that the Seahawks are going to dominate the Cardinals. I think that they have to pick their heads up from getting punched in the mouth by New Orleans at home. I think that Russell Wilson, being the Captain America type of player he is, he's going to have a phenomenal game. Uh, I just don't necessarily see the Cardinals getting things going. Murray had a, a, a bad outing last week with the two interceptions, and we just really haven't heard much of David Johnson this year um, with them being 26th and rushing. And so I just think that the Seahawks are going to dominate 28-13. Vikings at the Bears NFC North showdown. This is in the windy city of Chicago. I have this one very low scoring. While I love the Vikings and Dalvin Cook and their rushing attack, they are going to meet a very stingy defense there in Chicago. I think them being at home is going to be the difference. Give me the Bears 19-17 to in a brutal smash mouth NFC North football game. I am going to go a little bit lower than that because I believe that the Bears defense is that elite and the passing offense of the Vikings are, is that terrible. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins hasn't had any games over 250 yards passing in the first three games. He's 32nd in, 31st in passing. Um, they're second in rushing, but this Bears defense is elite. Um, can they repeat the success that they had a week before against the Redskins? I think this is a better defense that they're facing, but – um, nonetheless, they have confidence that they uh, that they gained last week. Uh, I'm going to take the Bears in a win, um, 17 to six. Both got the Bears there now. Jaguars at Broncos. Minshew magic has been a real thing the last couple of weeks. He got the W on Thursday night against Tennessee. This time he goes into Denver at Mile High. This is a Broncos squad that's 0-3. They're still looking for their first victory under Vic Vangio. I think they get it here 23-20 over Jacksonville. Look for Joe Flacco to continue his strong connection with Emmanuel Sanders and Phillip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. I think they're going to be able to get some stuff going, especially in the red zone, although this Jacksonville defense is one of the best in the NFL. But Jalen Ramsey, it's not looking like he's going to play on Sunday because they're in a standoff over where he wants to be traded. Jacksonville does not want to move him, so there's friction. And without Jalen Ramsey in the lineup, look for Cortland Sutton, Emmanuel Sanders, and Deshaun Hamilton to find some success. So give me the Broncos 23-20. I have the Jags coming in and getting a win. Um, I have them winning in a tight one in mile high um, on a field goal. Uh, I have them winning 18-15. to I think that the Broncos uh, having zero sacks through the first three games is a is a cry of, for help. Um, having Von Miller and, and Bradley Chubb and what they were able to do last year and, and, and affecting the passer. Um, obviously, we do need more out of Flacco. He's been playing consistent, but, you know, they signed him in order. They signed him in Denver to be a game changer. Um, and Lindsay trying to come recover from that uh, that wrist surgery last year. I think it's it's it's. Um, it's going to take a little bit of a while, a little while for him to get going. Um, so I have the Jags winning uh, 18 to 15 and Minshew continuing his success. To close today's segment out, we have the Bengals at Steelers. It's the final game of week number four. Bengals at Steelers. This is an AFC North clash yet again, 8:15 p.m. Eastern time. I have the Pittsburgh Steelers getting their first win, 27-17 to over Zach Taylor and the Cincinnati Bengals. 
You know, the Bengals, they've just looked very up and down up to this point. Their defense has been treacherous recently, getting just completely picked apart. I know it's a new look secondary. They're trying to put together a new defensive scheme. But when you look at Pittsburgh, they're coming off actually a pretty good defensive performance against San Francisco and Jimmy Garoppolo. They forced five turnovers, and they still lost. But I think Mason Rudolph, James Conner, and Juju Smith-Schuster, that trio... For Pittsburgh, I think they get something going in the air against Cincinnati's weak pass defense, and I think that is the ultimate difference. Look for Pittsburgh's defense to put the clamps on Cincinnati's offense. So Pittsburgh by 10, 27 to 17. I have Pittsburgh winning as well. I think it's going to be a closer game than what people think. Um, Andy Dalton's been trying to do as best as he can, delivering um, some passes down the field, but they're awful as far as the rushing game, as far as the running game. And their defense is atrocious. Um, on the other hand, uh, Mason Rudolph didn't have a, a, a good outing last week. Um, their defense played hard, but, you know, having not having that success down the field uh, really hurt them uh, tremendously. Uh, but I do still have the Steelers winning 24-21 to 21, um, in a close one in Pittsburgh. That does it for today's episode. So I appreciate you, all the listeners out there who tune in to the Pro Football Chase podcast every single week. And I've gotten a lot of direct messages from people from out of this country that tune in to this podcast. So shout out to people in Canada, Australia, the UK. You know who you are. Thank you so much for your support. Really appreciate it and makes this uh, job more exciting to get behind the mic and chat some more football. And Jarrell, thanks again, brother, for taking the time to join me for another episode. Looking forward to watching some good football this week and enjoy your weekend. Man, absolutely. I appreciate it again. And uh, it's just a, it's a great pleasure to be on the show and uh, give my insight about these uh, NFL teams. And uh, as I said before, I'm always itching for a job and opportunity to get back into it. And so this gives me a little bit of clarity, uh, being able to talk about this stuff week in and week out. So I appreciate the opportunity. We'll get back on here next Wednesday and talk up some more football. But until then, enjoy it and uh, we'll stay in contact. All right. Thank you, brother. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.